tonight about the uh, very irrelevant topic on called God's will for your life, which until Jesse brought it up last week, you probably never thought of. But last week, Jesse's sermon focused a lot on the theology behind God's will for your life. And what I hope um, when I was preparing this message is that tonight's uh, sermon would be just immensely practical for you guys. And we are going to be going through a lot of Proverbs. That's going to be the book that we're focused on tonight. And the thing that I love about Proverbs, um, especially for us in this room, is it was written for a group of people not unlike yourselves. It was written for the future leaders of Israel. So this book was given to them um, to study so that they could learn how to live wisely. Now wisdom here is translated as skillful living. So this book and these Proverbs, they teach us how to live a skillful life, how to live a wise life. So we have an opportunity as we read them to, in some ways, pull up a chair to some of the wisest people who ever lived and um, hear their wisdom as they're, they're teaching us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to be doing tonight. If you wanted to read any book on God's will for your life, I think Jesse mentioned this last week, we would recommend a book by Kevin DeYoung called Just Do Something. And he opens his book with this question. He says, if God really loves you and he has a great plan for your life, why doesn't he just tell you what it is? Have you guys ever wondered that? I bet you we've all sat across from a table from somebody who has told us that in good faith, told us God loves you, he has a tremendous plan for your life. And the question that I always follow that with is, well, why doesn't he just tell us about it? We have so many situations that we face in our life, so many questions that we have, especially in this time when we're kind of at a crossword, a crossroads in our lives. There's questions of, what am I going to do this summer? What internship should I pick? What should I major in? What job should I take? Should I get married? Who should I marry? Should we have kids? How many kids should we have? Should I go to grad school? Should I go straight into the workforce? I got this one job offer, but it's not my dream job. Should I take it? Should I wait for something else? Should I buy a house? Should I rent a house? Where should I go to church? How should I serve in these church? These questions overwhelm our minds every single day. We're bombarded with question after question, and there rarely seems to be obvious answers to them. And this is the tension with that. On one hand, we really want an obvious answer because we genuinely want to live a life that's pleasing to God. And I think on the other side of that tension, there's also this idea that, that we want our lives to go as well as they possibly could, and if we're living in the will of God, then like how bad could it be, right? And so we become so full of angst and, and even fear and anxiety because there are so many options and we don't know what to do. And I think back 100 years ago, you probably had a list of about five jobs that you could do, you know? And four of them you knew you didn't want to do. So it was probably pretty easy. You had a list of maybe 20 eligible suitors in your small town, and you can narrow down a list of 20 pretty quickly, right? Now, it feels like after graduation day, you can go anywhere in the world, and you can do anything. The possibilities are endless. You now have apps on your phone where you can scroll through 100% potential suitors a day. And these choices, they bombard us. And we have a phrase for this. You might think, like, well, what if I choose one thing, and then something better comes along? And the phrase we have for this is called FOMO, fear of missing out. Maybe you guys have heard of it. Because we know, we inherently know that to say yes 
one thing means that we are saying no to hundreds if not thousands of other things. And we get paralyzed by these choices in what psychologists call the paradox of choice. And what that means is it seems like having a lot of choices would be very liberating for us. But instead, we see the opposite. We see that it's actually kind of paralyzing because it's so hard to make a decision. So how do we respond to that? I think for me, when I was a senior, um, I was so anxious in my decision-making skills that um, I would just pray. My prayers often just look like, God, I will do anything you want. Just tell me what to do. So we go to God and we ask him, just tell us. I'm willing to do whatever. Just let me know what you want me to do. And to go further, we don't just want God to tell us what to do in life, but we also often want him to tell us in an unmistakable way. And I think that there are some problems with this approach. When we're looking for a sign, it often can um, maybe make us not embrace our own responsibility for the choices that we make. And another thing is we can pray for signs. I've done this before too, where I pray, God, just give me a sign. And prayer is good, but when we do that, things can start to get a little weird really quickly. You know what I mean? I remember when I was... Um, praying and, and trying to discern if I was going to go um, do Chi Alpha up at Yale. And I remember going home that night and putting my key in the lock. And uh, the lock said, um, there's a picture, the lock said Yale on it. I'm like, well, there's my sign. That's what I'm going to do. Never mind that that's one of the most popular lock countries um, in, in the, or lock companies in the country. Um, so if you look around, you'll see that a lot. Um, there's also been times when I've been processing, like, I really like this guy, processing what should I do next in this relationship, and I'm walking, and then the next song that came on Spotify was Switchfoot's Love Alone is Worth the Fight. Have you guys heard that, that song? Yeah? Okay. So I'm like, well, that's what God wants me to do. I was, I was praying about this, and then that's the next song that came on, so God really wants me to stick this out. And you know, there's only like 10 songs on my playlist, so there's like a 13% chance that that song was going to be next. But um, the point of this is when we start looking for these signs and everything, things can start to get really weird really quickly. And we can also feel like we're being jerked from one thing to the next as we search and, and grasp for these signs. But a question I have tonight is, what if there is a completely different way to understand the will of God? And furthermore, what if his will for our lives is actually not that mysterious at all? So here's the big thesis of the message tonight that I'm going to spend the rest of the night unpacking, and it's this, that God's will for your life is typically not revealed through supernatural means. It is typically not revealed through some crisis experience, but typically God shows us his will and he tells us his will through the path of wisdom. So maybe that there is a completely different way to approach all of these decisions that we're making. And maybe it isn't going into our prayer closet or going away for the weekend, which retreats are, are a great thing, um, and then staying in there and coming out and reporting, this is what God told me. But maybe there's a completely different way to think about it. Maybe our lives are not just this tightrope act where if we make one bad decision or one wrong step, then it's all, it's all over. 
Maybe there's a completely different way to think about God's will. And I think that there's this other element to God as well. I don't think that he wants us just to go to him for answers and to ask him to solve our problems and for him to tell us what to do. But rather, he wants us to, to sit at his feet. He wants us to commune and to be in relationship with him and his Holy Spirit and to be so saturated in the word and knowing him in prayer so that we actually know how to make wise decisions for ourselves. It's the difference between when you're studying under a world-class professor who can write amazing papers, between wanting that person to write your papers for you, as opposed to learning from him how you can write these good papers by yourself. Does that make sense? So, let's see. I think that's really good news, that, at least for me, that the Bible never says that we have to go into these solitary times of prayer and then come out with the answers for our lives for the next 10 years. That's good news. But what it does tell us is it tells us that when we pursue our, our glorious and our loving God, we know that he holds our future. And while we might not know what our next steps will be, we can trust him. And we can trust even when we don't know what the future holds. And scripture also tells us that um, it expects us to both trust God, but also to be wise. So this means that as people who have submitted to God, we can just take a deep breath, and we can walk in two things. We can walk in wisdom, and we can walk in faith. We don't have to walk in anxiety and fear. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. What we're going to look at is what does the path of wisdom look like and how does it work in changing our decisions from decisions of fear to decisions of faith? So when we face any decision that we have to make and we want to make it in the will of God, there are really three options before us. The first is this, that God does not care what we choose. And that just kind of seems like this, ah, where are you going with this? But I think that there are some choices that we make that either option is good. You could glorify God with this choice. You could glorify God with that choice. And God doesn't really care which one we choose. Just make a choice and then glorify God in that. That's the first option. The second option is that he does care what we choose. And the path of wisdom, if we use the principles that we learn in scripture, the principles of being wise, wisdom will get us where we need to go. And we'll talk more about those principles in a second. But in this situation, um, if God has an opinion, he will use wisdom and use the scripture that we learn to guide us on, on this trajectory. And the third option is this, that he does care, and he will intervene directly if wisdom is not enough to get us where we need to go. In other words, if we're walking in wisdom, if we're skillfully living, God will intervene if he needs us to go a certain way. But so these are three really great options that we have for making decisions. Either God doesn't care and we have freedom to choose what we want. Either he does care and we'll make that through, um, we'll make that clear through the path of wisdom. Or he cares and if wisdom is not enough to get us to make that choice, he will directly intervene. So I want to give us a few principles for how God guides us in the path of wisdom. And just a quick aside, I would really encourage everybody um, in your devotional life to start reading a chapter of Proverbs every day. It's convenient because there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs in 31 days in most months. 
So I'd really encourage you to start reading a chapter a day. If you don't have a devotional life, I'd encourage you to get one. And you could start by reading a chapter of Proverbs a day. So first off, we see that God guides us on the path of wisdom through Scripture, through His Word. We see in Proverbs 1.5, it talks about the reason why the book of Proverbs was written. It says, it, uh, the Proverbs is, lets the discerning get guidance. So here's the thing. 99% of God's will for your life, I could tell you what it is, because it's stated clearly in Scripture. We see in 1 Thessalonians 4.3, it says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified. So we see here, he explicitly says it. It's his will that we should look more like Jesus, that we should love him and love the people around us, and as a result, grow and look more and more like him. And here's the important thing to remember in that, is that we could get our careers completely right. We could become pastors and missionaries and still completely miss the will of God for our lives. Because he cares more about our character and the type of people we are and the way that we love him and love one another than the position or title that's on our business cards. So let me give you some questions that you might be able to ask if you're discerning what career am I going to have. We can look at some biblical principles to see how we go about making that decision. Because to be honest, you're not going to open the Bible and see something like Joanne. You should be a Kyle for pastor, saith the Lord. You're not going to see that. But we do have these biblical principles, though you should go on. That's just my opinion. Uh, that's not God's. Just getting that out there. Maybe it is God's, though. We'll talk. Um. But the first question, and when we look at these biblical principles, is one, can I glorify God in this? Now, for most things that you choose, the answer is going to be yes. Another principle that we see in scripture is, could I provide for a family in it with this job? And that's not to say that we're aiming to be rich, but we see in 1 Timothy 5a, it says that we should be able to provide for our family. Another potential question is we know through scripture that the local church is very important to God. So a question to ask yourself is, is there a good local church where I want to live? Is there a place where I could find a community of believers to do life with? That would be an example of using something we find in scripture to help us figure out what's next. So the second thing that, uh, the second approach we can take to walking in wisdom is this, that God guides us through our wise thinking and reflection. In Proverbs 25, it says, the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. So we need to be able to draw out the wisdom within us. And I think it's cool that one of the core values of the university is to be contemplatives in action, that we need to be people who are discerning, people who are reflecting and thinking wisely and acting wisely. So let me give you a couple of things that can help us do this better. Number one, what are the desires of your heart? So Psalm 37, 4 says, as we delight ourselves in the Lord, it says he will give us the desires of our heart. So what does that mean? It means that as Jesus becomes the Lord of our life, he begins to download certain passions and certain desires in our hearts that are from him. So as we grow in scripture, as we grow in prayers, we grow to look more like Jesus, there are certain passions and desires that we have and we can trust those things. 
So some fun questions that we can ask in, in determining and discerning our career are, what is it that you love? What is it that you're good at? What is it that you really enjoy doing? Some people love languages. I do not love languages. Barely love English, and that's what I studied here. Some people love business, sciences, psychology, kids. What are the desires that God has given you? And it's possible that he's wired you that way um, to use that. Two, what are your gifts? In 1 Peter 4.10, it says that God gives us gifts that we should use to serve others. So if we believe that God has made us uniquely, and if we believe that God has given us certain gifts, then I think it's really important that we consider what is it that we're good at? And I think a simple statement, but one that shouldn't be overlooked, is it's also possible that God has been revealing his will for your life over the past 18, 19, 20 years by giving you things that you're really good and talented in. And the third way on the path to wisdom, and I want to focus a little more time on this, is that God guides us on the basis of wise counsel. Now, if you read through the book of Proverbs, this idea of finding wise counsel is a huge theme. And we are told over and over that there is such wisdom in getting wise counsel. So here are a few Proverbs. We have Proverbs 12.15. It says, The way of fools seems right to him, but the wise listen to advice. 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. 19.20 says, Listen to the advice and accept discipline, and at the end you will be counted among the wise. 2018 says, Plans are established by seeking advice, so if you wage war, obtain guidance. And here's the thing about our culture, is I think often we can be so individualistic. And when we're making these big decisions in our life, like, who am I going to marry? What is my career going to be? We often feel like we need to go into like a solitary place and figure it out and come out and announce to everybody what that is. And Proverbs would say, no, 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 no. We should not um, make these huge decisions outside of the context of community, but instead we should allow the community and we should allow the wise counsel to speak in to our decisions. It's a very different approach. So here's an example of what we do as Christians when we're making big decisions. When you're thinking, I think I might be interested in doing this after graduation. I think I might want to marry this person. We should gather a group of people, and this is something that we can start doing right now. We should gather a group of people who are wise, wise being the key word there. They should be people of great faith, because it takes a lot of faith to walk out what you feel God is saying. Um, they should be people who know you really well, who are invested in your life. And then talk to these people, listen to what they have to say. And if they say, you know, I really don't see this for you. Or, you know, I really don't think the two of you are compatible. Then that's some strong data that you have for your discernment. And Proverbs says, when we make decisions in community, two things happen. One, you will make better decisions because there is wisdom in the counsel of many. And the second is experiential. We'll have less anxiety and less stress because the weight of the decision is not entirely on our shoulders. We can share that with our community. 
So there's a king in the book of 2 Kings 10, and he's a new king, and he's seeking advice from two different categories. He's seeking advice from a council of his buddies, and his buddies tell him that he needs to be, you know, a strong, strong-willed, hard-nosed king, and that he needs to really show the people who's boss. And then the second council is a, a council of uh, older, wiser people, and the older people say, well, actually, maybe you should not rule with an iron fist, but rather with loving grace as you implement things. And he chose to take the advice of his buddies, and that did not end up well for him. You could read 2 Kings 10 and find out what happened. But the point of that, that passage and that story is not don't get advice from your friends, because that's a good thing to do, but rather there is so much value and having people in your wise council that have been around the sun 10, 20, 30 more times than you have. People who have made the same decisions that you guys are making now and have had decades to see how this is gonna play out. And that's one of the reasons too that Chi Alpha is really passionate about the local church because I hope that while you guys are here, your life group um, becomes a really deep, lifelong community I hope that when you meet with Jesse and Blaine or me, that we're able to give you some wisdom and, and some good, you know, strong advice. But the thing that we lack here is, is old people who have been doing these things and walking with Jesus longer than we have been alive. And we can't ever undermine the importance of that. Um, so here's what we should not do when we seek wise counsel. We should never go to our wise counsel and say, uh, this is what I'm going to do, and I feel a strong peace about it. Because when we do that, when we play the God card and, you know, one-on-ones, what we're saying is, we don't actually want your advice, we just want your rubber stamp of approval. But what a humble person would do is they would go to their wise counsel, they would lay out all the details, they're saying, this is what I'm thinking and processing. What is your wisdom on this? And when it comes to choosing uh, who gets to be in that group, we should probably include a pastor. We should probably have somebody in a pastoral role that can speak into your life. Uh, if you have any godly family members, they would be really important people um, to add to that. Your friends can also help speak into things. Um, older people, mentors that you have in your life that are older than your college mentors would also be good resources. And I think that this idea of having a wise counsel is such a beautiful way to handle these big decisions that we have in our lives because it means that we don't have to do that on our own. And so finally, the last way God guides us on the road of wisdom is through divine intervention. So I believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for us and I believe that God can respond miraculously in our life. And when we see it in the Bible, like Jesse talks about last week, I think an important thing to note is that these people often weren't paralyzed by fear and indecision when God came and spoke to them. Instead, they were just charting along the course of wisdom. They were reading their scriptures. They were thinking wise and reflective thoughts. They were submitting to wise counsel. And when those things were not enough, when God needed them to do something very specific that they wouldn't have gotten to on their own, then he intervened supernaturally. So when we pray for God's guidance on these things, I think I would caution us against praying, like I prayed to my senior year, God, just tell me what to do. 
And instead we can pray things like, God, give me wisdom to discern what's right. Give me wisdom to think and have proper motives to not make decisions based on my own insecurities, based on my desire for money or esteem. Help me to see the situation accurately. Something I prayed a lot was, Lord, give me wise people who can speak into my life and who I can trust. And I think that when we do that, we have a much healthier perspective on our every decision that we make and we don't feel like the weight is on us. Because this is what I want us to realize, that God's will for our life is not based on these decisions that society thinks is important. Because you can graduate from college and find your dream job, you could get married straight out of college, and you can spend the rest of your life not living out the will of God. So God's will is not something that you go away by yourself to find, but it's something that we can find and discover in community. And it's about walking in wisdom together. So just a quick uh, maybe story about how I've seen this play out in my life, and then we'll go to questions. So I uh, was in the SFS when I came to college my freshman year, quickly realized the SFS did not bring me joy. I was not talented at it. It was not a good fit for me. So I moved to become an English major in the college, and they always say with an English major, you can do anything with an English major. The dark side of that is you can do anything with an English major. So I found myself my senior year just kind of paralyzed. There were so many things I didn't even know what to apply for. I started to think, okay, what are some of the things that I really, really enjoy? Um, like I said, I prayed those prayers to God, just tell me what to do and I will do it. And I felt like God said, said I just want you to choose. And so I was like, well, I kind of like Chi Alpha. It's, it's okay, it's pretty cool. Um, I like leading my life group. I'm really passionate about having one-on-ones in discipleship. Maybe I'll, I'll explore that. I talked to my Chi Alpha pastors about it. They were like, yeah, you should definitely do that. I thought they might be a little biased, so I consulted some more wise counsel. My older brother uh, is the only other Christian in my family. He was able to say, like, yeah, I think that that would be something that would be cool. I, through God's providence, got to talk to this um, missionary who's a mentor in my life, Harv Herman, who he, at that point, had been doing uh, Chi Alpha for, like, 40 years, so, like, twice as long as I had been alive. He had been a missionary, and he could affirm that. And so I finally, this is a long story real short, finally made a decision that I was gonna do Chi Alpha for just the first year after my graduation. We don't have to decide the rest of our lives the first year after graduation, side note. Um, and the, the way that I made my final decision was not some sort of divine intervention. It wasn't like, you know, a sign in the sky, but it was because I made a pro-con list. I thought, what are all the pros to doing this? What are the cons to doing this? I brought that to my mentors. I, I thought about it, I prayed about it, and then I made a decision. And every big decision that I've made since then has been following that same process. And I wish I had more time to uh, talk about my discernment process for going to do Kyle at Yale, but that's a, another story for a different day. But it was a similar process, and I'll never forget, at the end of all of it, um, my mentor and one of my closest friends said, Bonnie, I think you have all of the data that you need. I think it would glorify God for you to stay. I think it would glorify God for you to go. And I think you just need to make a decision and walk in that. Not at the time, I was like, wow, maybe I need to make a decision. Like, it seems like the least spiritual <laughs> advice that you could get. But I think that there's something important about that, that we make decisions 
through wisdom, we walk in faith. I think God often gives us confirmation um, that if our decisions are right, we should keep going or not. But the thing I can say after being out of college for only six years now is that there's no secret. There's often no burning bush that tells us what to do. It's just solid, good old-fashioned wisdom. And the decisions that you feel like are in front of you, they can feel so jarring and so paralyzing. But I think that we, we shouldn't overcomplicate this. We should know that scripture is enough. Wise thinking is enough. Wise counsel is enough. And if those things are not enough, God will intervene and get us where we need to go. We're not going to miss the will of God for our lives when we seek him. And so let me tell you this, and then, and then I promise we're done. We're going to go to questions. But we do not have to grope around in the dark. We do not have to feel like we can't hear a clear direction from God and sit paralyzed in that. Our lives are not this tightrope walk where we have to get every step correct or we've just completely missed the mark. But the Bible says this. It says, walk in wisdom. And then it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things. I will take care of. Go to that first question. Um, okay, so first of so all, a lot of questions that we've had to kind of combine a few of them. Um, so the first question is kind of regarded in what if, like, what you're told isn't what you actually like, we want to hear or what you think is right. So kind of what if that's like what God tells you isn't what you anticipated? Yeah. But then also like what if from wise counsel it's not what you expected or you still disagree with the wise counsel? Yeah. That's a really really great question. Um, the first caveat above everything is if your wise counsel ever tells you something that directly contradicts what scripture says, then you just like need new wise counsel and you should always defer to what the Bible says on something. Um, but I think the second thing is we need to be wise and discerning when we're choosing who we allow to speak into our lives. And I think that that's why it's a counsel of many people. It's not the opinion of one person. But I think in my life, I have a, an assembly of people who, some are much older than me, some are my age, a couple are a little younger, and if they tell me something that I don't want to hear, I'm tempted to submit to what they have to say um, and really walk in that because I know that they love me, that they're invested in my life, and I know for me that there are some things that others can see that I cannot see for myself. I, personally, for me, if I'm being real, this is true in relationships. When you know everybody has that friend where you know they shouldn't be in a relationship, but they they don't see that right. That happens to me a lot. I don't know if anybody else relates to that. <laughs> but I think though, when we're wise in choosing our wise counsel, when we have um, people um, of spiritual wisdom who have walked with great faith, who have demonstrated over years and decades that they can be trusted, I think that in 99% of circumstances, we need to submit to that and listen to what they have to say because often their wisdom and their years can see things that are ahead of us on the road that we might not be able to see for ourselves. So that's what I'd say about that. Uh, and then our last question. Uh, so I think that when we give advice to someone or uh, we are like telling someone what our issues are, that's kind of hard to know like how to communicate that without sounding like maybe we're either gossiping or bragging or kind of then on the other side of it how to give advice well. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of what you would have to say to that question. Yeah. 
That's a great question. Um, I think Blaine answered uh, this way once that um, gossip, I might, maybe I'm butchering Blaine's quote, but um, if you're telling somebody something who is not in any position to do anything about it or to give advice, then, um, then that's gossip. And so I think that when we're asking for advice on issues that might you know, be in that like in between, like is this gossip, am I genuinely seeking advice? Uh, we need to one, um, to keep that circle small. Um, I think I personally have mentors who are often not um, part, like they don't know who I'm talking about and so I can get some more non-biased advice and still protect the reputation of the person that I'm getting advice for. I think situations like our life groups are typically not good times to bring up prayer requests where you're trying to get advice because your roommate's being awful and she's not listening to anything that you say and you don't know what to do. I think most of the time these conversations are best um, left for one-on-ones. And so, yeah, and I think also, too, um, in the beginning of those conversations, that you can just pray, um, say a quick prayer before you start, that God would, would give you his wisdom, and that whatever you're saying won't, you know, roll into gossip. And just a quick aside, back to the last question real quick on wise counsel, I thought of something. I think on a micro level, even as we think about our life groups and small groups and our time here at Georgetown, I think that there can also be a tendency to stick with people who are both like, like-minded as you, but also the same age as you. So I know, for example, it can become easy as you become seniors to not want to include like younger people in your group. And I think that there's tremendous value, and not just the age diversity, but recognizing that um, in this like small way too at Georgetown, as you grow and mature in your faith, you have a lot of wise counsel to, to offer younger people. So I'd always just, just kind of plant that seed there. Um, but anywho, we're gonna transition into a time of worship. I hope that uh, the message tonight is pretty liberating for some of you. I know some of you guys are in the Valley of Decision now. Some of you guys won't be there for another few years. Um, but I want you to know that that we're not meant to make these decisions in a vacuum, but that we have a community that God has given us. And so if you'd like to stand for worship, feel free to do that. If you'd like to sit or kneel, that's fine too. I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then we're going to go into worship. Gracious God, because you live, we know that you hold our future, and we know that we can walk through life not full of angst, pressure, and fear, but we can walk by the grace, by your grace, with wisdom and faith. And when faced with decisions, help us to be transformed into people who look like you. Help us be saturated in scripture and bless us with wise people in our lives, God. And we declare right now that you can guide us any way that you choose, Lord. And we just lift all of this up to you in your name, Jesus. 